And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, wind the nanobots up, wind them up, and wish them away. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. All right, so uh, we wanted today to talk about um, a crazy, wacky thing that happens every year that I've had uh, inflicted upon me over the past several years. The Renaissance Festival? You know, that's not going to be inflicted upon me this year, so that's... I'm, I am, or I am huzzah. Huzz, I'm huzzah free this year. <laughs> I, I think that crazy and wacky in this case might be a terrible understatement. Yeah. Well, it all depends upon, I guess it depends upon how jaded you are about the whole thing. Okay. First of all, we're talking about CES, which formerly was known as the Consumer Electronics Show. Now known solely as CES. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's kind of like KFC. Yes. Or Prince. Yes. So Prince okay. was the, was a symbol for a while. <laughs> And that yeah. was the artist formerly known Although, as Prince. Although, I guess, yeah. because And then came back to Prince again. Now yeah. he's just like P-R-N... No? I don't even know. I don't even know. I can't I can't keep up with, with the great one. At so, any rate. <laughs> we're talking now about CES, which is a giant consumer uh, conference. It's a show where manufacturers come out and show off the stuff that they've been building in order to attract vendors who want to carry this sort of stuff in either their stores or uh, through online or whatever. So it's kind of like a direct manufacturer's attempt to show off all the cool things that they plan on releasing over the next 12 months or so. Sometimes you also see prototypes or proof of concept type things that are not meant for consumer use in the near future, but maybe two or three years down the line. 
Cool. So you're saying once a year, Las Vegas installs the world's biggest nerd magnet. Kind of. I mean, I would argue that Comic-Con is an even bigger nerd magnet in the sense that it's more nerdy. Like, okay. like, cause a lot of the consumer electronics stuff is just pure business. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so a lot of people have this view that CES is a place where you walk in and everything is like the Jetsons and it's all magical and you get to try yeah. everything and you, you get w- to carry it all home you with you. You walk in and everything is TVs. Yeah. No, I, the, the, the <laughs> well, way that's partially I, true. The way I describe it to people who have never been is, uh, you know, people who think, oh, that sounds like it's really cool. I'm like, I understand what you're saying and it's not that I don't see really cool things, but think of it this way. Imagine that you walk into the largest mall you have ever shopping mall that you have ever been in ever and every single square foot of that mall is a radio shack and it's your job to look at all the shelves at radio shack and check out the three or four cool things per you know square foot or so and ignore everything else and it's also black friday so that's that's what the experience is like because it's a it's an the most of them of uh, the booths are in the Las Vegas Convention Center, which has 3.2 million square feet of exhibition space, and most of that is taken up by booths at this at this convention. Mm-hmm. And um, so, a lot of these vendors are offering similar products to each other. They're big competitors, so Sony and Panasonic and Sharp mm-hmm. are all there, and so you're going to see a lot of the same types of technology, booth to booth. Although the implementations will obviously be different depending upon which one you're at. So you're you're not just seeing like cool crazy gadgets that you've never seen before. A lot of what's at this big convention is the sort of next iteration of a technology you're already familiar sure. with. Sure. A lot of you're, prototypes, yeah. Yeah, you'll see dishwashers, for example, or laundry machines, but dryers. Smart laundry machines. Yeah. yeah. Or just more efficient ones where you're they're you're using far less energy than the previous generations did. So it's not that it's unimpressive or unimportant. It's just not the sort of thing you think of as like robot hands. Well, but I was going to say, you're also going to see some robot hands. Yeah, too. you do see some robot hands. There's that mixed in too. And that I think is the, the allure that CES has for a lot of people is that there are things at CES that are kind of outside the box or they're, a, they're either a brand new technology or it's a technology that combines other things that had never been combined before mm-hmm. and it blows your mind. Uh, Oculus's Rift, for example, basically debuted at CES a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was so upset that I missed out on that. I got to see it at E3. The following E3, but I didn't. I didn't see it uh, when it sort of debuted at CES. And uh, after I left the show, I heard nothing but great things about it. But while I was at the show, no one told me about it. Well, but there's a lot to see, and you're also there with. Uh, as of last year, there were 152,759 attendees. Yeah. Um, which means registered, right? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> well, well you know, there the security there top notch. Okay, anytime you're talking about security in Las Vegas, top notch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that but that's over 90,000 attendees. Over over 50,000 exhibitors, 7,000 media, 800 speakers, all from 150 different countries. Yeah. So, and within those groups, by the wow. way, you also have uh, cast systems. It's not it's not a joke because in, in media, you've got the, the media and then you have the bloggers. And there's a little bit of a – I won't say there's like true animosity, but there's some snootiness going on. Oh, I yeah. can't imagine that nerds get a little bit snooty sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause there, there are the, the established media who are like, well, these aren't real journalists. And then there's the bloggers who are like, well, these people are working for a dead medium. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting cause I get, I get kind of stuck between, I've always been put with the established media, which is kind of interesting cause I've only had that experience. Ha. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, apparently uh-huh. at least in the past, our food has been better. <laughs> The food that they provide, which, by the way, goes really fast because if there's anything that will make a a journalist run, it's the promise of a free lunch. So you get to hang out with the cool kids, but they put kick me signs on your back. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. I, I, and over the last few years, it's been more integrated. So it's been less of a, a like the, it's, there's not so much of a stigma on the bloggers as blogging has become more and more important. But it's certainly one of those things where you, you it's kind of interesting. It's a microcosm of this weird world where old media and new media are trying to sort out what the future is going to be. Yeah. So I would think one of the coolest things about going to uh, a conference like this or convention show, whatever you call it, Mm -hmm. um, would be to go through and obviously you can't see everything, but to walk through, see as much as you can. And get these general impressions of, wow, I'm, I'm witnessing trends right now. You know, I'm seeing what's hitting, what's hitting the ground right now and what's going to fall away really quick Mm -hmm. and what's going to succeed. 
And and I wonder if that helps train your intuitions for what kind of trends are just hype. Oh yeah. And what's actually going to have staying power. Yeah. Like I bet you've seen lots of examples of things that were like it seemed kind of cool at the demonstration but then disappeared. Sure. Yeah, I've seen both cases, right? I've seen stuff where while I'm at CES, I start seeing usually it works in in a in a cycle that lasts about uh, two or three years, right? You'll go to a CES, there'll be a few implementations of something that's kind of cool. And you look at it and you're like, wow, that's so different from everything else. And then, you know, you either see that it's got the potential to do great things, or maybe it's just a flash in the pan. Like, oh, that was interesting, but nothing ever came of it. The next year, if it's one of those things that seems to have a little bit of traction, at least in the minds of consumers, you'll suddenly see a lot more implementations of it. And now you're like, okay, now this is a thing. The next year, you'll see the refined implementations where you're thinking, now this is something that I want. So it usually takes that three-year cycle from first seeing it to really wanting it. And it doesn't always end up in the really wanting it category. Sometimes yeah. sometimes companies will stick with a technology Sometimes way longer than they probably should. Yeah, and there's one of those in particular that I'll talk about, but let's talk about some of the winners first before we get into the ones that didn't didn't take off. So you're talking about stuff that has launched at CES yeah, in stuff previous years. Either it has launched at CES or it had its first big marketing push at CES. In some cases, these products launched before the, the show itself started, but they were ones that used CES as the platform to get a lot of attention. So... A lot, like, for example, last year was a big year for uh, fitness trackers and activity trackers, which oh, had started yeah. about a year or two before that. We've done an episode on those. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing one right now, weirdly enough. Got one for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, cousins. That looks like it's a flex. <laughs> Is that a flex or a force? Uh, it's a force. Oh, a force. You got the nice one. Yeah. Wow, yeah. those are cousins who really love you. Yeah. Chris and Jess, you guys are the best. I mean, flex is nice, too, but the force is more expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. because I Way to put a monetary amount on my lovely, my lovely no, holiday No, it's gift. a good amount. It's a good amount. I know because I priced them. Uh, I was looking at those as a possibility for gifts. Anyway, so fitness trackers, <laughs> big thing. Big thing in, in last year. They were big the year before, but were really big last year. And we expect that that'll continue in 2014. I, obviously, I'm, I'm not at CES yet, so I haven't seen them. But I expect to see lots of fitness devices like the Fitbit. That's that's one that a lot of people have heard of because it got a lot of buzz at CES. And that's a, tech, a great example of a technology that before CES, it was a very small market that was aware of activity trackers. You're talking about, you know, the athletes who are also early adopters, right? It's mm-hmm. a, a tiny niche because it's a niche of a niche. But now everyone's heard of these things and people who may have never really been interested in it before because they just weren't very active, but they love things like all the data you can get back. Suddenly they're getting into more active lifestyles because of these technologies. Oh, they've, they've also, of course, um, you know, I think what's really driving the, the fitness tracker trend right now is the fact that these things are much more stylish and, and wearable. Uh, yes. And I mean, most people don't even notice that I've got anything other than a bracelet on. Right. And that's that's cool. So. Yeah. And, and on top of that, they're adding <laughs> other types of functionality. Right. You know, it's yeah. it's not just a pedometer. Obviously, like a lot of these have multiple yeah, things that they track. Exactly how poorly I'm sleeping. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's a big one, sleep trackers. So, uh, but that's one example. E-readers is another example, although you could argue that e-readers is both a winner and a loser. Um, e-readers were one of those things that, that were showing up at CES before, uh, they really took off. I mean, Amazon cracked the code on that one when they introduced the Kindle, but, not at CES. Though. Not at CES. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Amazon did their own events, and some companies like to do that. You know, some companies decide that they don't want to compete with all the other announcements that come out at CES, mm-hmm. and so they just do their own thing. So Apple is one of those, and now Microsoft is. I mean, until recently, Microsoft was a big part of CES, but last yeah. year they pulled out. Yeah, they they ran the the keynote for a long time, yep, didn't they? Yep. So uh, they are not part of it anymore, but. E-readers in general were huge. They, we've seen a lot come and go, and then we've also seen a lot of tablets that have tried to take over the, the e-reader space by incorporating that directly into the the features that they talk about. Um, and tablets, again, another huge category. I think with the e-reader and tablet thing, 
correct me if you feel different, but it seems to be there's a convergence going on where we might be trending away from things that are exclusively e-readers just towards... Those unitaskers. Sort, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of the tablet that, well, you can watch a movie on it, but it also... Uh, you can read just as well as any good e-reader. Uh, we're certainly seeing that as the prices for tablets fall as well, yeah. right? Because one of the differentiators, there are two big differentiators, I think, between e-readers and tablets. One is, generally speaking, the price. Generally yeah. speaking, e-readers are a couple hundred dollars cheaper than the comparable tablets. You can second understand thing, why. And second thing is the battery life, because a lot of e-readers use e-ink, which is much less power intensive than using a backlit screen. That's the way most tablets use uh, it. Right. It's just a magnetic switch um, every time you turn a page. And so you're only using electricity when you actually turn that page. Right. So anytime you're displaying something on a e-reader, it's not actually consuming energy unless there's also a light or something incorporated into the e-reader. So... Uh, for people who wanted to have a device where they could read for days on end without having to recharge it, e-readers also made sense. Uh, as battery life gets better and tablets get more efficient at using the energy that is available to them so that, you know, the, the apps are not draining the battery within four hours of turning on the device, then we start to see the, and the prices go down. We start to see those, those differences disappear and the functionality of the tablet becomes a much more attractive thing than, you know, again, the unitasker nature of the e-reader. So I think we will continue to see e-readers start, start to fade as tablets continue to take over that space. Um, I don't know that they're ever going to completely go away because for some people that's exactly the device they want. But I don't think it'll be as as uh, a big and an, a market as it has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, processors obviously they tend to debut at CES or at least they tend to have the first public demonstrations. Like Intel, uh, the Nehalem processor from a few years ago was a big one. That was all this multi-threading uh, technology that they had built into their processor and. Since then, they have built on that with the subsequent uh, generations of processors. So if you go to Intel's booth, they'll have giant displays showing really complicated programs running at full speed. And they, they're like, this is all running off of one of our processors. This, this shows that it's capable of doing this heavy graphics lifting without a secondary graphic card. So, wow. you know, that kind yeah. of stuff, That that's big. Also... Streaming media devices, uh, very big at, at CES. That's where I first saw the Roku. Uh, and there are a lot of other ones that are similar to the Roku where they take uh, content that's on the Internet and stream it to your television. Uh, we're starting to see TVs kind of take over that role themselves, a lot of smart TVs out there. But for a long time, smart TVs just weren't going anywhere at CES because they were so limited. It was like a couple of... um Widgets that would be on your screen might might show you what the weather is or something along those lines. And everyone was like, this is so limited. It doesn't make sense for me to pay an extra, you know, $500 for this TV set when there's not really, it's not doing much for me. Yeah, it seemed like that's something that probably had to wait on uh, infrastructure to support it. Yeah. Like now, you know, once your smart TV can access Netflix or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or Amazon or Hulu it, Plus or any of those type um, of services. But until those apps got built out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That seems like one of those interesting ways where PCs and computers actually played a good bridging role because people started watching streaming media on their computers. Right. And then through that, they could, you know, these companies could actually pay to build out what they were providing. I really credit Netflix for building that out because Netflix was incredibly proactive on getting onto every single device it possibly could. Mobile. Uh, PCs, also making sure they were on, they, they started making apps for things like game consoles. So, mm-hmm. I mean, whether you had a Nintendo console, a Sony console, or a Microsoft mm-hmm. console, you could get a Netflix app and watch Netflix. That was a brilliant strategy, and yeah. it ended up being one that all the others started to follow. Rumor has it that this year, some uh, 4K smart TV manufacturers are going to be announcing a partnership with Netflix at CES. It would not shock me at all. And, and you know, that also will be interesting to see about the, uh, the whole 2K and 4K TVs because there's very little content you can get that actually runs at those resolutions. The, ca- the televisions are capable of showing these super ultra high resolution images, but if you don't have a source uh, for those images, they don't do much good. Well, it seems like a thing that you buy hoping enough other people will buy one that they'll that somebody will make something to sell you. It'll yeah. be worthwhile, and you don't yeah. have to just plug in your VHS. Right. Tape it'll either it it'll and, either be yeah. it'll either be the next generation of uh you know the next generation of home media like a, a you know a Blu-ray drive or a DVD player something that 
is able to show at even greater resolution, or you have some incredible internet connection <laughs> allowing you to watch this content. I mean, it would have to be yeah, that's, really that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it's really only in like Google's like yeah, in Kansas City and Austin, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, well, no, I mean, I'm sure watching a VHS tape of Highlander 2, The Quickening, <laughs> on a 4K TV would be pretty cool. I don't want you to talk for the rest of this episode. Aw, I think it would be cool too, Joe. <laughs> or wait, now, are you talking about the original cinematic version or the renegade version? <laughs> no, 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 the original. The oh, one that before they cut out all of the hilarious all the, stuff. All the aliens? Yeah. Oh, there could be only one. All right, so, uh, <laughs> and then finally, uh, one of the last example I have on my notes is, um, OLED displays, organic oh, yeah. LED displays. So when I first went to CES, I think it was 2008 was the first year that I went. Uh, when I went to CES that year, <clears throat> I remember seeing an OLED display at, I think it was Sony's booth. And it was an amazing 11-inch display. Ooh. Yeah. And so now we're getting to the point where we're finally seeing this kind of technology built into full-size televisions. But, you know, and it's it's much more power efficient. Uh, you get a great picture. But the manufacturing processes had not been refined back in 2008. There's been work done every year since. And also, that little 11-inch screen would have been something like, you know, Three grand. Yeesh, yeah. So, yeah. So the price has also gone down as those manufacturing processes have refined over time. So okay. So these are all examples of of big winners from previous shows. Let's get some Schadenfreude in here. What, okay. What what has totally failed? The big one that's first one on my notes is I think everyone would agree in this room would agree. Three uh, D. 3D, oh. 3D televisions and 3D displays. That yeah. is my Schadenfreude button because I hate <laughs> 3D. I, I've been on the record about this on this show before. I hate 3D movies. I I hate it. I just it just doesn't I don't like it at all. And then I, uh, the and the expense for a consumer <clears throat> piece of equipment is just Well, it's not just expense too. It's also the thought of extra equipment, right? Because unless yeah. you have glasses free, and I'll get to that, but unless you have glasses free, then you have to keep track of 3D glasses. And if they are active glasses, then you also have to recharge them. You know, if you have a passive system, those are polarized lenses. The light's polarized in such a way so that one eye gets one set of images, the other eye gets the other set of images, and then your brain combines them to create that 3D effect, right? I mean, yeah, this is assume- and a oh, huge migraine. I mean, I mean that effect <laughs> yeah, and a migraine. Exactly. This is assuming people want to watch 3D in their homes day after day anyway, well, which I'm not sure they do. But see, I think that's the wrong way to look at this because a 3D television isn't meant to suggest that all content displayed on that television is going to be in 3D. Yeah, it's 3D capable. It's okay. 3D capable, meaning that for specific times, like let's say you're going to have a, uh, you, you it's just you. You are you are uh, a curmudgeon and you don't like other people, but you love the Super Bowl and you want to watch the Super Bowl in 3D so that you can get this immersive experience and really enjoy you know, that sports is a big deal with 3D. If you've ever seen any footage of a sports event shot in 3D, I guarantee you, I mean, it is phenomenal. It is gorgeous stuff. I've, I've seen the, the demo tapes where they've shot things like football games or the Olympics or, uh, in one case, a WWE wrestling event in 3D. And in all <laughs> cases, it actually was really breathtaking. It felt like you were at that place. But... You, you know, other things like a cooking show, you might not want to see in 3D. You might, there's no reason for it to be in 3D. You don't need to see Emerald threatening you with a knife and shouting bam over and over again. Uh, you want, you, for that, for that, the 2D experience don't might be just I've fine. I've seen that one. Yeah, but, you just Where he need to, threatens you with a knife. You know, he, That's just the whole he, show. He, 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 he points just, it he at the gesticulates camera. A yeah. lot, well, you know, he, guess, he records but... multiple episodes in one day. So if you catch whatever one was shot last, he's a little punchy. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, nipping at the uh, cooking sherry. Um, just kidding. I'm not suggesting that Emerald actually does that. But at any rate, we the don't point, need to go right. making any celebrity chef enemies around <laughs> no, here. No, no, no. Okay. No. I mean, I'm, I like eating. So the, the point being that three, I think saying that, you know, you'd have to wear these glasses for anything you would want to watch on your, on your television is misleading. However, I don't think there are that many people who want to, you know, they don't feel like the 3D experience is uh, compelling enough uh, or something that they would use frequently enough to justify going out and purchasing a 3D television, unless it just happens to already be 3D capable on top of all the features that the person actually is looking for. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so what's the deal with glasses free? So glasses free tends to use this, uh, technology where it's similar to a lenticular display. The, the technology to split the image into two is actually on the screen itself. So, uh, your, your left eye is getting one set of images, your right eye gets the other set of images, and it looks like stuff can emerge from the television. It actually looks like stuff can come out of the screen at you. Uh, so I've never, tried this but my guess is at the current state it's very easy for it to look horrible uh it, it actually can look great but if it you tends have your to be head in the right position yes, you have to be standing at the right position and you don't move uh you can move around a little bit but if you if you all right so imagine that there are <laughs> imagine that you that the television is at the center of half of a pie okay so or not the center but like the 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 edge of the half pie. Okay. Got it? The center of half of <laughs> the a pie. The edge of half of a pie, Joe. So take a pie, <laughs> cut it in half, put a television flat up against the flat half of that pie. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, the rest of that pie is cut into wedges that all point toward the center of that television. Sure. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, so when you get to the outer edge of that pie, if you're standing in the middle of any of those slices, everything's fine. But if you walk sideways so that you cross between the barrier of one slice and another then you pass over this this point that's not good for you to be at for a glasses free display and everything looks wonky and you start feeling sick to your stomach until you move to the center of the next piece of pie in which case everything's okay again so there are viewing angles that are ideal and if you cross between those viewing angles then you get a terrible experience that looks awful like you went from, oh, this is kind of a cool, interesting experience to HP Lovecraft has invaded my television <laughs> and the old ones are out to get me. So, okay, yeah. um, yeah, it's not a pleasant experience. Uh, so they are limited. They, you, you can't have a seamless experience where you are able to pass left to right or right to left in front of your television and still have that 3D effect go on without mm-hmm. feeling. Unless you don't mind glimpsing the color out of space. Right. Right. Uh, there are also some 3D televisions that convert 2D to 3D. I don't really care for those either because to me, instead of it making kind of a well-rounded 3D image, it looks like you're looking at a series of cardboard cutouts, some of which are closer to you and some are <laughs> further away. So everyone looks like they're flat, but some of the flat people are closer to you than other flat people. So... That's, I don't find those very cute. Effective. If you like like paper puppet shows, yeah. Well, yeah. At any rate, lots of companies have pushed 3D, and I can see why perhaps they have not um, successfully pushed this technology. It was, it's one of those things that a lot of people have argued that the the uh, manufacturers are trying to force upon an unwilling consumer market. So it's people who just don't care about it, or they don't want it, or they don't feel like it's really well implemented, or maybe it's well implemented, but the content just isn't there to justify it. So you've got a lot of people who are uh, who just don't care about this technology, and yet they're being told over and over, you should care, because look how amazing this is. And, and it just hasn't really caught on with a lot of the uh, consumer market. So... That's something we see year over year that just has not really taken off, despite multiple efforts. And I, I started seeing lots of 3D displays probably in 2009 and it, every year since. And last year, the emphasis had backed off a bit. But 2009, 10, and 11, uh, definitely... 3D was a big deal. So you expect to see even less 3D this year? I expect that it'll be incorporated into a lot more sets, but it won't be a feature that's being touted as one of the main ones for the. I, I expect I will see more ultra high definition televisions this year, like a lot more 2K and 4K sets, and fewer sets that are uh, that are promoted as a 3D television. Hmm. They'll still have it. They just won't. That won't necessarily be the the top selling feature of those sets. Mm-hmm. So, uh, still going strong last year were those um, tablet laptop hybrids. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of them. I mean, mm. I just don't understand. I don't think a lot of them have done well on the market. But they that's that was a big thing at CES last year was that you would see these uh, laptops where you could either detach the screen entirely or fold the screen back on the laptop and turn it into a, a fairly thick tablet. Yeah, um, I've seen those. They looked like something I didn't want to have in my hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of it, but again, it ends up making, like, you, you end up looking like you're carrying the world's clunkiest tablet if it's one that folds back on itself, right? Because, uh, you know, we're now used to Apple defining what a tablet is supposed to look like. Whether you love Apple products or you don't, their aesthetic has really dominated that market. And so, you know, Apple has gotten to the point where, especially with, like, the, the, um, 
the iPad Air where it's super thin and sleek. Comparing that to a device that has a full keyboard folded underneath it, you know, you can't help but look clunky uh, in comparison. Uh, there was one that I loved. I wish I could remember. I think it was a Lenovo computer. There was one I loved before this this trend took off that looked like a regular laptop. It had kind of this this uh, colorful plastic back on it, and you could pop the screen off the laptop entirely. And not only would it convert into a tablet, it would switch operating systems. So when it was plugged in, it ran, I think originally it might have run, it was either Windows Vista or Windows 7. It was several years ago. I think it might have been Windows 7. So it ran Windows 7, and if you popped it out, it ran Linux. So it would actually switch operating systems from one to the other in order to be able to save power and run different apps. But it also was going to have technology in it that would allow you, if you were watching something, say, in a uh, Windows-based format on your computer, and then you pop the, the screen out so you can take it on the go, it would open a comparable program so that you could continue huh. watching whatever it was you were watching and pick up exactly where you left off. And this was at a time where no one was really doing that yet. And I thought it was an incredible idea and it never made it to market in the United States. I think they sold the tablet version of it in China, but not the full laptop detachable mm. version. So that's another example. Um, do you guys remember netbooks? Oh yeah. I, I Well, I, I technically still have a netbook somewhere. I don't think I've turned it on in a few years, but yeah. You remember netbooks, Joe? Uh, l- little babies? Yeah, tiny little laptops that barely did anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally, I guess the smaller version of an already accepted thing is considered cute. Well, well it, 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 I mean, for me, it was a weight issue and only really needing to, like, get yeah. on online. Checking and, email or whatever. And, yeah, and, and run Microsoft Word. A lot, that's about it. A so. lot of the basic features that Netflix, or netbooks cover, not Netflix, but a lot of the basic features that netbooks covered are now taken care of by tablets. Sure. So the tablet market is pretty much destroyed. Also, the laptops market. have gotten light enough that, I mean, for me, it really was like a, like a, I can't carry around a 10-pound laptop comfortably. Yeah, so. understandably. Uh, now, I think the philosophy behind the netbook, even if that's not a very successful technology on its own, that philosophy of people are going to be doing more and more on the internet. You're going to need less power for native apps. Yeah. That, I think that is truly the future of computing. Sure. But the format though is now, like I said, tablet. Uh, but yeah, I agree entirely. Like the, the idea of let's put the heavy lifting off the, the, let's take the burden off the computer and put it onto the cloud. I mean, obviously that makes sense because we've seen that carry on like even the upcoming consoles or the consoles that just came out the ps4 and the and the xbox one both of them have put a lot of the work onto cloud-based services so that you don't have to rely so much on whatever the device itself can do um and they're still powerful devices but they also are are leveraging the internet so we're going to see that a lot more but yeah again the netbook form factor was just one that i don't i think ultimately people found to be uh, limited, like it, it didn't give enough of a benefit over a tablet and it was not terribly comfortable to use. If you ever used a netbook, like one of the really small ones, it's pretty cramped to type on them for more than a couple of minutes. So, uh, you know, I'd mentioned uh, tablet, laptop hybrids and netbooks. Another specific product that didn't do so well was the Microsoft Surface tablet, which you know, that was a that was one of those things that people were thinking that maybe Microsoft could really make up some ground between uh, it and Apple with this with this Windows 8 based tablet uh, named after the same device that they had a giant table device that they had shown off at CES a few years before. Uh, but yeah, it uh, you know it still has never really taken off. Um, well, and yeah, again, Windows 8. Yeah, we talked about Windows 8 and tech stuff and uh, about some of the the downers of that story. So if you want to hear more, listen <laughs> to our 2013 year in review episodes over at Tech Stuff. Uh, the Palm Pre. A famous example of a device. Pre. Yeah, the Palm Pre. This is, this I, is a little bit of a... the Palm Prey. Prey for the media, I guess. <laughs> I, well, see, here's the thing is that when it came out, when no, they showed it off, it. when they showed Absolutely. it off at CES, yeah, we all thought, oh, wow, this is a viable competitor to the iPhone. People still weren't sure about Android when Palm Pre came out. Android was very young and it looked like engineers had built it. And, uh, and the iPhone was this sleek, sexy, kind of operating system and device all rolled into one. Palm Pre comes out and people are saying, this looks like it could actually go toe-to-toe with the iPhone. 
but it took six months from when they showed it off at CES to when it finally came to market. Six months is a long time. Android made up a lot of ground in those six months. The iPhone had really solidified itself in those six months, and the Palm Pre never could catch on. It never got the traction. So while it was a big hit at CES, it ultimately didn't succeed in the market, and eventually Palm shut down. Uh, and you know, it was one of those things where Palm was betting everything on this device and the new operating system, the WebOS, which was a Linux-based operating system, uh, and it just it didn't pay off in the long run, unfortunately. And then uh, the last one I have on here, it was actually the same year that the Palm Pre was shown off. There was this LG smartphone watch thing. It was a watch that was also a cell phone. It had a little touch screen display. You weren't allowed to touch it. They only, uh, they had like, uh, they had, um, representatives who would wear it and show it off, but you weren't allowed to actually touch it. Oh, this is a lot of, this happens a lot at CES, guys. You would, you, you would, if it, if it actually made it to market, I assume that you would be able to touch it. Because it was in prototype form, right? They didn't right. want, they didn't want people to play with it and then discover that the features that were showing on the screen weren't actually implemented yet. Mm. That kind of thing. And, and it never came out in the U.S. Yeah, it, it was a little bit ahead of its time, I think. I, yeah. I think that, you know, well, actually, let's let's talk about what we're expecting to see okay. this year. Yeah. All right. Well, clearly, there's all the different, you know, iteration stuff that we talked about before, the, the technologies that are improving generation over generation. So we're going to see a lot of ultra high definition televisions. You're going to see a lot of uh, interconnected appliances, things like that. But I think for the purposes of this show, we like to look at the stuff that's really shaping the future. Sometimes that can be some mundane stuff, but we wanted to look at some of the crazier kind of stuff we've already covered in forward thinking, right? So one of the things I want to point out is that some of these appliances and things that might seem a little bit mundane start to become really cool when you consider that you might have an entire household of things like this all interacting. Yeah. And that's what we talked about in our very first episode, the one about the Internet of Things. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot more of those sort of things. Not just, uh, I mean, we've already seen companies come out with their own appliances that all work within a single ecosystem, which is good, but not so great as the consumer being able to mix and match anything he or she wants, right? Uh, right. Also, you know, in, in the kind of case where, Jonathan, I think that you're an Android user and your wife uses Apple. Yeah. So if we were to say, let's say that we were to get devices that specifically worked with one but did not work with the other, that would not be terribly useful for us. Or it would put one of you in a position of, of power? grand and terrifying power. I, I do <laughs> occasionally like to use my app that lets me see if my living room lights are on when my wife is home and I'm away. And then if they're on, I like to dim them. And make her wonder what's going on. Um, she has done the same to me, by the way. She has turned the lights out on me while she was away. And I was thinking, like, did we lose power? No, the television's still going. What's going on? Then the lights are flickering. Like, oh, my wife is deciding to mess with me. So, uh, but the Internet of Things, I think, is going to be huge this year at CES. I think we're going to see a lot of things that are not specifically implemented into end devices yet. I, I, I've already seen a lot of buzz about manufacturers who are going to bring out uh, internet connected sensors that could be put into other products down the line, but they're just showing off what these sensors are capable of doing and the kind of data they generate and the software on the back end that allows you to actually look at the data in a meaningful way. In fact, big data is also going to be hi- highly represented at CES, I think, this year. Yeah. So that's one, one element I'm sure I'll see tons of. How about 3D printing? Uh, yeah, that's huge. I mean, MakerBot always has a presence there. The very first time I ever saw a 3D printer was at CES. Oh, I think it was cool. CES 2008. I think it was a MakerBot. And um, uh, so we're going to see a lot more 3D printing, not just from them, but from multiple companies. Uh, there's there's one that I looked at that uh, looks like they're going to have a cool combination of a virtual reality implementation and a 3D printer where you could design something in a virtual space and then print it out for real. So suddenly, you know, you can figure out exactly what shape you want in this virtual environment and then get that shape printed for realsies so you really get that so that means i could finally have my hand-drawn lopsided sword of death that i always drew when i was like (laughs) you know when i was like 12 i I can't draw to save my life so it would look like a 12 year old who cannot draw built this thing i could end up with one of those after many 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 hours of printing 
actually what I would suggest if you're going to print a plastic weapon is to create a brand new axe for the podcast. Oh, a room. new, a, yeah, because our new mystical axe. Our mystical axe has seen better days. Yeah. It has. But, you know, with, with the application of some super glue, I think it's doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, another thing I know I'll see a lot of are what they're calling wearables now. You know, this, these were like the activity trackers, the smart watches, things that are computers in some form or another that you wear as opposed to holding in your pocket or on your, in your hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are going to be implementations of stuff we've already seen, things like smart watches and, and sure. activity trackers. There are vague rumors that Apple and or Google might premiere a watch or, or show a prototype watch. It would um, it would shock me beyond belief if Apple did it. If Apple did uh, yeah, it, they would do it in it... such a way where it would be like a quiet buzz where there's just someone who isn't identified as an Apple res- representative wearing a super cool watch and then people are like, is that it? Is that it? Because Apple's just, they don't play with the CES. Yeah, game. Apple likes premiering at their own yeah. events. Google, yeah. Google's kind of the same way. Google doesn't tend to have its own presence at CES, but occasionally they'll partner with some other vendor that uses Google in its products. And so that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're, we're going to see wearables that come in other form factors besides smartwatches and Activity trackers. For example, I, I'm hearing buzz about uh, little cameras that you can wear in various ways that could be used mostly for security forces. Uh-huh. So you know, while it's not a consumer product in the sense that most people would go out and buy one, it could be something that ends up being implemented into uh, the standard gear that a police officer has mm-hmm. um, or a first responder. So that's a possibility. There may be some that are actually more consumer oriented, which again brings up the whole uh, question about privacy, right? We've uh-huh, talked about sure. that before, but it's essentially, you know, Google Glass is a good example uh, of yeah, something yeah. like that. And I hear that lots of competitors to Google Glass are going to be out in force. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen quite a few press releases about various implementations of smart glasses, whether they are, uh, Glasses that have a full display as opposed to Google Glass, which has the display that's elevated in, in, in one corner. Um, there's some that might have augmented reality uh, additional uses there. There may, There's some that may have some virtual reality uses as well. Uh, I haven't booked any meetings with anyone yet, but I'm still... I'm still my schedule is still in uh, flexible format right now. <laughs> um, I heard that uh, Sony is working on a VR headset similar to the Oculus Rift or in competition with the Oculus Rift um, for the PS4. That would make sense. Uh, from what I understand, the any the development for Oculus Rift for consoles is kind of on the back burner. They're really concentrating on PCs right now. Mm-hmm. So for consoles to remain relevant so that they don't run. Yeah, you know, it makes sense for Sony to look into that directly because you don't want if you're Sony you don't want necessarily the the PC market to pick up on all the gamers and then you see your your market share for PS4 dwindle so if you're able to be, to create something that works as well as the Oculus Rift but for the Sony platform that makes perfect sense um i don't know that they'll show that off there if it it, this would be the place to do it. Yeah, and one of the Sony bigwigs is going to be one of the keynote speakers. So. Yeah, and they always have a big uh, invitation-only press event on the opening day, like the the press day, which is the before. Monday before. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have not been invited to that, so <laughs> I might be reading about it later. That's honestly at this point when I look at Monday's schedule, um, Monday is the one day where I'm booked from I think 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. So. I don't necessarily need to add more to it. Um, also, robots. robots. I expect to see lots of robots. Yeah. I remember when I first saw the Parrot AR drone, which was one that you could control with a smartphone. Yeah. Um, and it had a camera on it and everything. And it was, it was really, uh, that was super cool. That was one of those devices that was not like everything else on the floor. So you paid attention to it because it was really interesting. And that, their presence has grown year over year. Well, now we're starting to see Lots of different companies come out with various types of robots, including uh, flying robots. Uh, so there's you're one. See some quad rotors. You yeah, think? quad rotors. Maybe some six or eight rotors as well. Yeah, uh, octo rotors. rotors. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. There's <laughs> I really a um, like that word. Yeah. <laughs> there's one company in particular that has. They're designing these 
these flying robots specifically for the film industry. They're building uh, high definition cameras into the robots so that you can use these to shoot film. So instead of using a crane shot, you might use a robot shot. That, I mean, that sounds amazing. And also I, I just had this moment of complete clenching fear for that extremely expensive camera that you're mounting on this. I, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that the robot would be very reliable. I'm pretty sure they're not going to put a phantom or a red ooh. camera on there. But <laughs> uh, I was also imagining the kind of stability you'd really be, need to be able to count on. Like, it, I, uh, I imagine this is a lot of rotors, m- right? M- maybe, yeah. maybe if you connected it to some kind of a steady cam equipment, so yeah. that it could uh, kind of auto correct. Also, for that. also there are um, there are stabilization software that can take a lot of the jitter out as well. So I think with a combination of all of those things, you could you could make it a pretty smooth experience. So, I mean, I'll see for sure yeah. over there. That's one of the things I, I plan on checking out. There's a whole section at CES. Is, most of CES is just kind of a, a crazy, it, it seems like chaotic. Like there's no rhyme or reason to the way booths are laid out when you walk in. They just, they, they take up the space that they take up and that's it. Uh, so you might have two booths next to each other that are completely unrelated. One might have all these kind of crazy televisions and cameras in it. And the other one has like, uh, just a, you know, remote control cars and lower end electronics. But they also see us in the past few years have been trying to group together some of the more emerging technologies in an effort to get them more visibility because otherwise they tend to get lost because they usually are smaller startup companies that can get easily lost between these enormous booths like Sony and Panasonic or, or, you know, those kind of companies. So they have one area called Eureka Park, which is all of their uh, little startups that are really kind of crazy innovative companies. And they also have a robot section where a lot of the robot technology is gathered together. Some companies opt to go for just a space on the main show floor, but, Others will go and be part of these smaller groups because it means that they tend to get wider um, attention from the media and from vendors. So uh, I also expect to see a lot of different implementations of user control interfaces. So uh, the the Connect has really opened this up quite a bit with uh, the success that they've had, at least the the success, especially among the hacker community uh, for Connect. But I'm, I expect we'll see more gesture controls, more uh, voice control, and eye tracking. Uh, I got oh, to cool. I got mm-hmm. to play with one of those a couple of years ago. They sat me down. They had like an asteroids type game, part asteroids, part uh, my, uh, what is it? Uh, Missile command. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would track your eyes, and you would have to stare at the stuff you wanted to blow up on the screen <laughs> so that you could keep your your little spaceship safe. And it worked really well. And they also showed it off for things like uh, reading web pages where when your eyes would get toward the end of the web page, it would just very smoothly scroll up and your eyes would just follow it up. And then it would stop scrolling once your eyes lifted at a certain level so you could continue to read. Oh, Stuff wow. like that. Yeah. So I expect we'll see a lot of uh, innovation there, too. Uh, one thing that I'm really excited that I think is going to show up uh, in spades is Steambox or Boxes or Boxen. Um, uh, so, yeah. So I it'll... You know, it's interesting. I don't know if Valve has a, a, a an actual established space at CES. Uh, there might be other companies that are building boxes that are specifically meant to run the Steam OS. I don't know that I'm going to see any of the official Steam boxes while I'm there. It's possible, but yeah, that that, that is, by the way, it's estimated to be a hundred fifty thousand dollar minimum to set up a booth, and that's minimum. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, which is why a lot of there. these companies, what they'll do instead is they'll rent out a suite. <laughs> in a hotel and yeah. then they invite people to come by the suite and check stuff out. Yeah. It also makes sense for some companies like audio companies that want to show off their audio equipment. Well, CES is really loud. So if you want to show off your audio equipment and really show the fidelity of your audio equipment, you kind of have to find a space that's, that's quieter. Quiet. So a lot of them will use suites so that they yeah, can show sure, those stuff sure. off. Um, I'm also psyched about some various car technologies that I think are going to show up at the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure show there's going to be a, there'll be a really lot of driver assist technologies uh-huh. and also uh, alternative you, fuel technologies. Yeah, you're going to be looking into some fuel cell stuff. There, Literally looking into fuel cells. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to that. I I find the fuel cell technology to be pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's always going to be that kind of stuff too. There's uh, actually. Um, technically, this show comes out while I'm at CES, which means that the NDA should be lifted by then. <laughs> well, let's just say that there is a car company that has invited me to see their particular vehicle, which has a very sunny disposition. It's probably about as much as I can, as specific as I can get. 
It's solar powered. There's a solar powered car that I'm gonna see. Uh, anyway. What? Yeah, there's a solar powered car that's gonna be on display at CES. Are you gonna get in trouble for saying this? No, no, because it'll be <laughs> it'll be public by the time this episode goes live. Well, then, okay. excellent. Cause, Sweet. Because uh, everyone will have seen it then. It's in the middle of the North Hall, which is where most of the car and uh, automotive technologies, like all the car stereo stuff, almost all of it is in the North Hall. So it's one of the noisiest places. That's also, by the way, where they put all the media booths. Yeah. So like Revision Three, they'll uh-huh. be in the back of the North Hall again. I think. So I'm the, I'm looking forward to seeing my revision three buddies while I'm there. That's that'll be fun. Well, cool. Those are distant coworkers that we never see otherwise. So yes, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about uh, hearing what you see. Uh, I hope you bring me lots of junk. Okay. Like yeah. Like key little trinkets and uh-huh. yeah, little stress uh, balls. I yeah. avoid swag usually because I don't like to pack it all up at the end of the the trip. But I I've also already promised. Josh Clark and I have a long-standing agreement that I have to bring him back at least one T-shirt he will never wear per trip. So I've got to find one of those. Well, so I hope you find out what the future is going to be like. Okay, come yeah. back and report it to us. And By then, then it'll be in the past, but all right. Yeah, and then we will uh, share all the secrets of days to come. Sounds good. That's you know that's kind of our job description. So uh, we're going to wrap this up, guys. If you have enjoyed the show, even if you haven't, I don't care. You're going to have to do this now. You are required by law to go to fwthinking.com. It's our website. That's where we've got all the podcasts, the blog posts, articles, things like that. Really cool information. If you haven't checked it out, go look at it. And uh, also remember, you can interact with us online. We are on all sorts of social media platforms, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. And in all three, we use the handle FWThinking, so it's easy to find us. Come and be part of the conversation, and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.